Hey friend, welcome to Away From The Bench, where we're exploring the changing landscape of research and academia through the experiences and lives of scientists and their allies. In this episode, Emma Sands, who you might remember from episode one, way back in the mists of time, and I chat about her experience of attending a virtual conference, and how this might be the tipping point for this format to become more prolific in the future. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome back, friend of the podcast, veteran, veteran of the podcast, Emma Sands. How are you, Emma? Hello, good to see you again. Very good to be back. Dundee, sunny as always. Yes, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. It's been so sunny recently that the grass has turned brown. And we are um, we are now, what, like, oh, I lost count of the number of weeks we've been in lockdown. But we, you know, we talked, like, days after going into lockdown, and now we're coming around to how we're actually going to get out of it with a bit of luck, you know, in a, in a week's time, maybe two at the very, very most, we might actually get back into the lab and do some science. Hopefully that's the dream. And um, I've decided I'm never going to use the term new normal because it's incredibly cliched now, but yeah, things are going to change drastically in, in, in the lab, in lab science, aren't they? Definitely. Unprecedented and new normal are things I don't want to hear anymore. Brilliant. What we wanted to chat together about today was um, this idea of like virtual conferences. It's definitely something that's cropped up in all the conversations I've had with people about one of the big things that's taking off. Um, We as scientists have talked about it for years about uh, it being the best way of of really bringing it, people into the conversation, enabling attendance at these things for people that couldn't for visa reasons, money reasons, family reasons, caring reasons. And now, um, you know, we've got a biological reason to avoid traveling across the world and exposing ourselves to a deadly uh, pandemic virus. Um, so virtual conferences have um, taken off in the past few weeks. I've seen... Um, meetings uh, that were planned having to pivot literally on you know a a penny coin into going into a virtual uh, world and it's been really impressive how people have adapted to that but you've actually been kind of through it you um, were at a conference back in January and then you had another one planned that turned out to be a virtual one um, during lockdown do you want to talk about that? Yes I I jumped on board on one of the conferences that had to pivot into the virtual world on weeks notice, just a few weeks notice. So I wasn't originally planning to attend the conference. It was protests online, but they began to advertise that they were suddenly turning online. There was more places available. I think 250 people they put through a Zoom conference and they also streamed it on YouTube. So I managed to jump on board on that at the very last minute because there was one speaker that I was really interested in. They just published a paper and our lab was really interested in this method. So I just jumped on board with the YouTube live stream and it was so fantastic to just sneak in at the last minute and see all these fantastic talks. It was yeah, a really good thing to be able to experience because I wouldn't have gone to the whole conference. It was in the UK, but I wouldn't have paid the money to you know, take the time out to go to this conference. 
but there was just the one speaker that we were really interested in and I managed to get a good experience with that. Cool. Um, so what was it like? So you weren't planning to attend this conference in the first place. Um, one question I've kind of got for people is what's it like going to a conference um, for um, a day or a number of days in your own living room? Is it difficult to get kind of invested in the experience? I've kind of often thought that when you travel for a conference, there's this kind of excitement. You've planned for it. You've paid for it. It's a big trip. You know, you want to make the best of it. And often conferences will run from like, you know, 8 a.m. in the morning till into the wee hours as people kind of network and, and talk. Is it the same kind of feeling or is it more more challenging to become invested in the kind of meeting that you're attending? Yeah, I guess I was probably more invested in the experience when I was at a conference in real life. So January, I went over to an organoid conference in Vancouver. That was super. We had so many activities, you know, they would have breakfast things where you would chat to people and we had trips into the mountains to snowshoeing and that was such a great way to network with people but I think the online conference had its benefits because I was really invested in the science so there was one paper that had recently came out that I'd read and then to be able to see that work be talked about immediately was so cool so I guess I was more invested in the science on the online one but it was kind of impossible for me just as a YouTube lurker to have any real connection. I wasn't asking any of the questions. I wasn't meeting any actual people on this conference, but to see the science and dabble in that was really cool. I suppose um, a virtual conference does have the potential to disseminate kind of fresh data even faster than um, uh, a kind of an annual one one might, depending on how how people want to join. Once again, this is all about accessibility um, and and enabling people to to attend and contribute. Yeah, definitely, it was really speedy. I mean, I'm thinking it would be a really fantastic thing to do to be able to kind of publish work and then just immediately have a conference on it. <laughs> that would be so interesting because oftentimes you'll read the paper and you'll get a sense of things, but if you're able to engage and ask questions with the authors, that would bring so much more benefit to the scientific community, I think, which maybe allow for more collaborations. And what was the engagement like? How did you ask questions to presenters? And we can move on to it in a moment, but how did you kind of network with other um, virtual attendees? So the 250 people that were on the actual Zoom conference, they were able to ask questions. They were like, had the raise your hand thing and they typed messages in the comment box. Um, but on the YouTube side of things, they hadn't quite integrated it to allow the YouTube comments to go into questions. So we were speaking amongst ourselves, but not asking questions to the speaker, which worked out quite, quite well. Um, but they did try and integrate some social things into the Zoom call. So they tried to do a coffee break where they would split you from a room of 250 where everyone should be on mute to kind of rooms of 10, five or 10 to have a coffee break. And I'm going to be honest, I was quite glad that I wasn't on the Zoom call for that because the thought of that just is a bit stressful to go and meet 10 complete strangers and suddenly be in a Zoom call with very few people having to make small talk and introduce yourself. I don't know. I think it's easier in real life at a conference. You can see who's hovering and you can see who looks like they would be willing for a chat. But yeah, the Zoom call makes me feel a bit nervous. Yeah, I can, I can totally kind of appreciate that. I was thinking about that aspect of it yesterday it's pretty ambitious of them to to include this coffee break idea um i've got no idea you know 
whether whether it's something that would work down the line, but it's definitely worth a shot. I was thinking about whether um, online or virtual conferences might actually be beneficial to people, to scientists that um, have perhaps more um, introverted tendencies. Uh, speaking kind of personally, it takes a lot of effort for me to go and kind of talk to people kind of in person. I'm far better at um, writing writing a kind of nice email to somebody or getting in touch that way. So I wonder, I haven't tried it, but I wonder if for some people that kind of interaction might work better. Um, but I agree, like rocking up to a room of 10 folk on Zoom and finding some kind of common ground other than the um, the topic of the previous presentation is always going to be a challenge. Yeah, definitely. On the YouTube we kind of hovered in someone else's coffee break for the second day and one of the organisers was trying to chair it and also do the technology side of things and they'd kind of roped in everyone that they they knew to this coffee break and I felt really awkward as as a side spectator trying to, you know, hover in someone else's coffee break while they make small talk. But I guess it has its benefits. I mean, there is no better way than just jumping in and introducing yourself. Did you come out the other side of um, the, the, the meeting with any kind of new uh, network friends, co uh, contacts or anything like that? No, I think I put myself at a bit of a disadvantage for that because I didn't sign up to the Zoom conference quick enough to be part of the 250. So I was one of the 1,000 who was locked onto the YouTube side of things. But I think there was definitely the opportunity to do that. The other thing I think a virtual conference could be missing would be the ability to hover after a speaker. I think that's a really common thing in talks. If you don't really want to ask a question or if you just want to have a chat with the speaker, there's like the really polite hover at the podium afterwards while they kind of go through the people who are hovering. And I think that would be something that would be quite difficult to organise on one of these virtual conferences. There is no polite or, you know, secret way to kind of meet a speaker you'd have to vest your interest quite strongly to be able to do that yeah I, I agree but then if you've got a popular speaker who's who's mobbed by by their fans then <laughs> um the, the the virtual meeting does give a kind of um, an instant icebreaker so to speak you're able then to email or message the person say hey i saw your talk um, at this meeting, I had this question, and once again, that's perhaps for some people an easier way of um, of approaching somebody. Yeah, definitely. I think it's less of a cold call if you've seen someone do a talk than if you've just read their paper. I think if there was more, you know, say if there was a backdating of virtual conferences from this point on, say back five years, rather than cold calling someone, be like, "Hey, I read your paper. I'm interested, and I have one quick question." If it was a, "Hey, I saw your." speech from this conference three years ago and I was really interested in this it feels more of a connection than just yeah a blank email about some paper that they published it's true an easier and, way and in. potentially potentially a, a touch more honest as well <laughs> um, it sounds a little bit more legit that you saw them at the meeting a few days ago or last week than I read your paper that everyone else read as well <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> How do you think the um, the technology side of things worked? Uh, before we started recording, we were talking about how how it's remarkable how how poor um, video technology um, has moved on in in the past ten twenty years. Um, 
how did it work having um, a Zoom meeting and then a kind of like satellite meeting almost there? Was it live streamed to YouTube, I assume? Yeah, live streamed from kind of the viewpoint of the organizer's computer, I guess. All right. Okay. Well, that's um, that's inventive. At least I'll give them that. <laughs> yeah, I think overall it was done really well for how quickly it was scooped together. But obviously there's, you know, the audio quality of a speaker who's coming from Zoom is never the best and you can't see the speaker. I think when you can't see the face of the speaker, it loses quite a bit of connection if you're just watching a PowerPoint and the voice kind of runs into itself. You can really lose the connection there and obviously there's no body language, there's no stage presence of the speakers on a virtual conference. So I think the technology does get in the way of that a little bit. We've got a long way to come with having an engaging video conference. I'm not right, really sure if that's something that will we'll ever quite get solved. Um, unless, of course, we acknowledge that, you know, sitting sitting you know, two feet away from your, your laptop is, is not the best viewpoint. And perhaps we we adopt something a little bit more, um, I'll call it professional. And we have maybe a, maybe a kind of uh, an independent microphone and a slightly better camera to, to really capture somebody's presentation. Because I'm sure you'll agree, you know, presentation isn't just the slides you're putting together. It's, it's your performance as a speaker as well. Yeah, definitely. They were also speaking about how some societies could have meetings every few years that would be online you know, alternating with in real life and online and the budget that could go into that, that could go into getting a better microphone for the speakers, getting a backdrop, you know, like an official, this is this conference backdrop and better camera. I think as much as people think that a virtual conference would be the cheaper option, there is definitely room to invest in it to improve the experience for everyone. I'm kind of, I've been interested in like, recording videos making videos i've got like some external microphones and stuff i kind of got a vague idea of how to make a picture better um but yeah to to ask ask anybody else that's not that bothered about such things tell them how to how to make a better picture is maybe maybe a bit more challenging and how to communicate that and how to how to get a bit more a, a more polished presentation um, I wouldn't actually say more professional, but, you know, a bit more polish would, would, would never go amiss. Um, as an aside, tell me what you think of this idea. I've thought that what would, what would be the problem if I just, I just pre-recorded a presentation? If I just pre-recorded my presentation with some really nice light and good microphones and, you know, edited that so it was super crisp. Um, what do you think? Um, of, of that idea is that acceptable to to kind of like just literally phone a presentation in I mean you couldn't take questions during it but um you know afterwards you could if you said here's my presentation press play I think that's a super idea <laughs> honestly I wouldn't feel any you know distaste for experiencing that because if you're all watching it at the same time I think it gives the same effect as it being live some people have it does feel like it does feel like cheating, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I probably you could don't script think... the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it would maybe be a more enjoyable experience for the presenter as well because you wouldn't have so much tension on is my technology working? Hello, is my microphone on? You know, that's just a terrible experience for everyone staying at home for these virtual conferences. I think a pre-recorded presentation would be fine for me as long as you're there to take questions at the end or you know, 
pause in the middle if something isn't going quite right. Did you find any downsides to the, the virtual conference? I guess it wasn't so engaging for me. I was there, I was really invested for, you know, one or two specific talks because of the science, but it was definitely less engaging. When I'm sitting in a room at a real conference, it's so much easier to take in the presentations, even if it's not exactly up your street, because you're really there and you're really experiencing it. But I think the engagement was slightly more challenging. I think this is kind of what I was talking about earlier, about there's there's a lack of feeling of investment in it. Um, you might have paid your money, but there's there's not the same planning and, as I said, investment in actually going there. So it's a bit trickier to, to just rock up into your study, your bedroom, your living room, or you know, maybe your office if you're lucky enough to have one and sit down and spend a day listening to presentations. It's uh, yeah. perhaps a bit more challenging for folk. Yeah, the timing of the virtual conference versus the in real life conference were completely different. So the in real life conference I had was like a 8am breakfast and then you know, you can stay up until midnight. But the virtual conference, they only did it, I think it was two or three hours for two days in the afternoon. So there was much less time involved, which I mean, was probably good for people's focus. They just put everyone's talks to be together. It's still run on, of course, every science meeting mm -hmm. is always running late. But I think it worked out quite nicely to have just two short afternoon sessions. But it was a small meeting, wasn't it, that you were at? Well, yeah. no, 250 people, 2,000 people watching is not small. Did they record the, um, the presentations? Yeah, it's still on YouTube. If you've got, a, if you've got a, a real life meeting, then everybody's in the same place at the same time. Virtual ones, there's still um, the issue of uh, you know, worldwide time zones. If you're, if you're on the other side of the world, um, then your only choice is to get up in the middle of the night and sit and watch a bit of science. Unless, of course... <laughs> It's um, it's recorded and you can access the, the presentations. Yeah, I have had another offer of going to a second virtual conference and it's hosted in Australia. So the times would be 3 a.m. start. And I'm just wondering to myself, can I commit to a 3 a.m. start? Would I need to change my own time zone for a few days in advance to be able to participate? But then if you're traveling abroad, you might just need to readjust to the time zones then. So I don't know, what's, That's true. what's a few days of sleepless nights you could you could make a make a few days of it and uh you know plan a plan a plan a virtual trip to australia <laughs> maybe just sit in your living room and watch some films with some, some fully <laughs> reheated uh, airplane food <laughs> oh i can imagine one issue i kind of pondered was that for some smaller meetings organized perhaps by a by a charity for um specific diseases or a field of diseases is that these often serve as um literally fundraisers for that charity there's a number of uh, a few charities that I know of from colleagues in the US, for example, that are not going to be funding um, ECR grants or PhD students probably for the next at least two years because they can't host their annual um, meetings, which are for scientists, clinicians, families. Um, and so they can't literally can't raise uh, money. Um, that's something that you're not going to get with a virtual meeting. Uh, to the same degree as um, uh, as, a, as a real life meeting. Um, I'm not sure how that would get solved. I suspect that we're never going to truly transition to to virtual meetings, but that they're a, they're, they're a good option at the moment. What do you think? Yeah, I think there's definitely scope for hybrid conferences. Definitely for that, because when I was in 
the conference in Vancouver, they did have one speaker who was kind of virtually broadcast into the room, which I thought was great. So that could be an option for conferences costing less if you don't need the travel cost of some speakers. That could be a real benefit to conference organizers. But yeah, I don't think we'll ever, ever fully transition into virtual only conferences, but I think a hybrid would be there. And I have basically blown my entire conference budget on one conference in the first year of my PhD. So it was really expensive, as you can imagine, to fly to Vancouver for a week and go to a quite expensive Keystone conference that had all the activities attached. So luckily I did um, get some grants, but all the money's blown now. So I don't really have a budget either to be able to go to more foreign conferences. That's a bit sad that there's no more no more conferences because you're you're a first year, aren't you? Yeah. Yes. No more <laughs> no more conferences. I mean, it was a good one, and before all of the world travel got shut down, perfect timing. True. The right. Uh, yeah. There's no hope for me. No hope at all. Uh, but you're right. Like virtual conferences, you know, with a, with the lower cost impact would would uh, facilitate that more for you. Um, yeah. And as you said, hybrid ones, particularly for um, people with caring responsibilities. With That's exactly what happened for this speaker is they were from Manchester and they had children, so they couldn't commit to a whole week or even a few days with time zones and traveling to go from Manchester to Vancouver and back. It was too much of a commitment time wise. So they were able to just be broadcast in and it seemed to go down really well in the conference, having a virtual speaker in a room full of people that could then, you know, network and speak about it afterwards and ask the questions that way. I think that's probably what would be more enjoyable for me is having kind of a room full of an audience with a virtual speaker rather than everyone being completely online. And then your pre-recorded presentation could go down quite well there. It'd be like watching a movie together. Oh, I, I still can't get over the fact that it would feel like cheating terribly. I mean, maybe in a Viva, maybe in online Viva, you couldn't pre-record it. You could try. Yeah, you, you could, could try. You could. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. I won't be taking questions <laughs> for the next half an hour. Um, so if you had to give, uh, it, it, not tips for attending these things, but from your experience of, of, of attending a, a, a virtual meeting, um, what kind of tips would you give to other people who may be attending theirs for the first time? Or what would you do differently or the same again to kind of enhance your experience if you were to attend another one? Um, I probably try to push myself to go to one of these coffee, these virtual coffee meetings. I mean, it sounds really terrifying and it would be intimidating, but I probably push myself to do that to try and do more networking because I really came out of it with I didn't meet anyone new. I, I know the speaker better and that was fun to see the speaker, but there was no real networking in contrast to the meeting in Vancouver. I met loads of people and saw them for quite a few days. So I guess the investment in meeting new people would be something better. Um, and I guess the conference itself, I think audio quality would be something that really could improve the experience. I think if they put a bit more I mean, they didn't have the time, but if they put more into the audio quality of the speakers, it would be easier to digest and listen to hours and hours. Yeah, of that's a challenging one because often the technical side of things um, will be left up to um, the facilities that an organizer has available, and that'll be down to um, their university or research institute or that kind of thing. Um, perhaps not so much with what platform they use um, and um, 
you know, that would be getting extra technical, but you could consider like which streaming platform has the least audio and video compression for best quality. I mean, like platforms like Twitch, for example, you know, they've, they've made their name in gaming, but, you know, there's a platform that can support um, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people watching watching one stream and interacting at the same time. Um, and Zoom's pretty good, but, you know, it's you know it's not on it's not on that level and i think there's definitely things we can learn from that platform twitch for example and using that um same goes for youtube you can you know stream a live a live video and you can have a lot of interaction for people um they perhaps don't seem quite as professional as as uh, microsoft teams or uh, blackboard collaborator whatever uh, other institutes use there is room to get actual it people in to help with this as well uh good maybe we'll wrap it up there to avoid uh, uncomfortable silences and <laughs> uh, and so forth um emma thanks so much for your time um hopefully next time we chat we will be back in the lab and doing some fundamental science fingers crossed Hello again. Thanks for sticking around this long. I hope to keep these conversations relatively bite-sized for your consumption. If you want to get in touch about anything we've talked about or with any comments, you can find us on Twitter at at AFTB underscore podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day and have an amazing week, folks. (laughs) 